All right, well that sets the table really well for what we're gonna talk about today, parenting. And we're gonna talk about honoring Christ in our home as we continue our journey through uh, the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter six, we'll be looking at verses one to four. But before I read that, I just wanna say thank you to both Pastor Jason and Pastor Ken. Uh, uh, Jason had an outstanding message on marriage when he was speaking in the series here and just uh, if you haven't listened to it, if you missed that, go back, go online, take, take a look, listen to it. And Pastor Ken, uh, last week too, or excuse me, two weeks ago when he was talking on Palm Sunday and shared about his own spiritual journey, I know many of you uh, commented on that and how much that meant to you to hear his story as well. And so uh, it's a wonderful resource we have to have the sermons either online or a CD that you can pick up and listen to. I do that when I'm away and I come back. I love to hear what's, what's going on and what these men are sharing too, so thank you. And uh, I, just, I said this in the first service too because I know that they're recording this. Uh, if you are listening online today or you are picking up a CD and listening during the week, welcome. And uh, thank you for giving us the opportunity to minister to you, and we pray that God would use these messages in a powerful way in your life as well. So today we're going to be in Ephesians 6, looking at verses 1 to 4, and I'd like to read it for us as we begin. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as we come to this passage of Scripture, talking about the home and family and parenting, you know the challenges we face. You know how difficult it may be, but you also know how rewarding it is. And that this is your plan for raising up the next generation who will serve you in the church and in the world. And God, your plan is good. And I pray that you'd help us to take to heart, both children and parents, what you are saying to us here. And for those of us that are now in the grandparent age, to also understand what our role can be in helping to raise the next generation for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, there's no doubt that parenting is a challenging job. You saw that in the uh, sketch or the video that was played for us, and I'm just going to mention a few things, too, that I think have made it even more challenging in these days. The busyness of life, for example. For both parents and children, there are so many activities, so many options and things that you can be involved in that you need to set boundaries or it will just get away from you. I mean, weekends can be taken over by sports or school activities. There are times when things compete with church activities and you need to make decisions about what are we going to do or not do. And your own personal schedules of work and hobbies and things that you enjoy, where is the family time? It needs to be a priority or it won't happen. And making mealtime significant when you come together, you eat, you talk, you share together, those things are so important as we are raising our families. We also have the challenge, the influence of media and the internet. There can be both good and bad things there. Peer pressure has always been there, but now the internet has brought into our homes unwelcome influences. 
things that we want to guard and protect our children from, as well as protecting ourselves. Uh, we have a culture that is changing. We are seeing this dramatic shift in our culture against Christian values. I mean, there was a time when uh, everyone, school, home, church, you know, all agreed that the Ten Commandments were a good set of rules that God had given to us. And we could accept that and affirm that. And where parents looked out for other children's kids and you were concerned about one another and you're raising your families together. Now we've seen that changing where there's a lot of people that don't think that the Bible is very good as a guide for life and that we don't need to pay any attention to it. And there are those that are trying to undermine our faith who are going against Christian values. And then we have the issue of technology. And it's not just children who are affected by it. I mean, we have these wonderful uh, gadgets, you know, whether it's our phones or iPads where we can be connected with the world or we have games that kids love to play, you know, on the computer or at home, and there's all this information out there. But again, it needs boundaries. It needs limits. There was an interesting study that was published in the journal Pediatrics where a team of researchers had watched families interact as they went to eat together at a fast food restaurant. And they watched them sitting down, and what they saw was the overwhelming use of parents using their devices while their kids were either eating with them or sometimes went off to play. And they saw parents, you know, they're scrolling through Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever it is that you stay connected with. And the kids are running around, and there was very little of this conversation taking place. And they also noticed that highly absorbed caregivers often responded harshly to a child misbehaving. It was almost like they viewed their behavior as an interruption. Can't you see? I'm trying to do something important here. You know, I got my screen time and I'm doing this. And Catherine Steiner Adair, who's a psychologist, interviewed thousands of children and parents and talking about the role that screens play in a child's life. And she concluded that our kids are well aware of our media absorption too. Children of all ages from 2 to 22 use the same phrases to talk about how hard it is for them to get their parents' attention when they need it. Because we were engaged on the computer or on the phone or these kind of things. And they said it's almost like we have a new form of sibling rivalry now. Although it's not a brother or sister competing for our parents' time, it's a screen. How does that affect your family? How does that affect the time that we spend with our kids? It's an area that we need to look at and make sure that we are establishing boundaries of when it's good to use that and when we put the phone down and we're not tuning into the things you know, on the computer and we're paying attention to our kids. The time we have with our children goes by very quickly. This winter, Gail and I were doing some cleaning out in our house of things that we no longer use, and we had a whole bunch of VHS tapes, and we don't have a VHS player, and so it's like, okay, what are we going to do? We're either going to give them away or toss them out, but we found some that we wanted to convert to a DVD format, and one of those was a videotape we had of when our youngest son, Ben, was born. And uh, we did that. We took a look at it. We showed it last week. Ben and Becca were up. And uh, we looked at that. First time Ben had ever seen it. You know, probably we were so busy raising kids, we never really looked at it with him when he was older. 
And, you know, he just didn't remember his brothers at that age when he was born and how young they were. And then he's seeing mom and dad, he's seeing grandma and grandpa and the relatives and all of those. And it was really fun, kind of a fun stroll down memory lane. Well, I'm looking at that, and of course, I do what we all do. We all look at ourselves in those pictures. And I'm going, you know, man, I had more hair. It was darker. Um, I was about 25 pounds thinner. And I'm looking at my face, and I'm going, you know, oh, man, it was so clear and nice and smooth. And now I'm getting these age spots and all those things that happen as you get older. And, and I'm doing that, and I'm going, where does the time go? I'm looking at Gail, who's holding this tiny little baby in her arms, who is now 23, a young man, and married, and wants to be a doctor, and has all these plans, and you go, where did the time go? Those years pass so quickly. I know that when we are parents, and our kids are in preschool, and we're working with diapers, and strollers, and car seats, and getting up in the middle of the night several times, or all those kind of things, it seems like it's going to last forever. But once they get into school, it seemed for me like every year just got faster and faster and faster as they had more activities. And the time goes by very quickly and they get in those older years in high school where they really are more interested in their friends and activities and and they're starting to establish their independence. Make the most of the time that you have. We have to do it. And that's why this passage was written. God has a word here for children and parents that can help us to honor Christ in our home. Let's take a look at it. He begins with God's instruction for children, and we see that in verses 1 and 3. Now, he starts by saying, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, I want to point out something that is very remarkable in this passage. And that is the fact that Paul is even speaking to children directly. I mean, we might take that for granted, but in the Roman era in which Paul was living and writing, that was unusual. I mean, but here he's saying something very significant, that children, you are part of the church. We expect you to be in the worship services. He's writing to them, God has a word for you, he loves you, he cares about you, we want you to know this. But that was not the way it was in the Roman world. James Boyce uh, shared these observations on that time period. He said, a Roman father had absolute power over his family. He could sell his children as slaves if he wanted to. He could make them work in his field, even in chains. He could take the law into his own hands, for the law was in his own hands. He could punish as he liked. He could even inflict the death penalty on his child. And further, the power of the Roman father extended over the child's whole life. As long as the father lived, a Roman son never came of age. Wow. That's a different world than the one we live, isn't it? And yet you see then how radical it is that just like Paul lifted up the role of women wives he is lifting up the role of children in a dramatic way and he is saying that children are to be valued and loved they are significant God loves them he cares about them and as parents God has entrusted them to us so that we might help them to become followers of Jesus Christ 
Now, God's instruction for children here is twofold. Number one, obey your parents in the Lord. The word obey in Greek is actually a compound word. It comes from two words. One means to listen and the other means under, as in listen under authority to those who are above you. Obedience starts with listening. Before we can obey our parents, we really need to hear what they're asking of us and understand that so that that we can do it. And Paul says, for this is right. It is, you know, it is right in society as well as it is right with God. In virtually every society, they are built on the idea that children should obey their parents. It's the way that we learn and grow. It's the way that we uh, learn life skills, or it's the way that we are protected and kept from harm. It's the way that we develop our talents and abilities. We have good social interaction. We learn how to get along with others and work together. All of those things are to take place in a home where there is this kind of healthy development. When the home breaks down, when the family is dysfunctional, society feels that effects and society breaks down as well. And that's what's a real concern today with what's going on in our world. And we have children who are growing up in rebellion because they don't have parents that are loving them and guiding them along the way. There are challenges that we need to face. But I'll also say that this isn't a blind obedience. It's not do what they say no matter what. The context is in the Lord. In other words, parents should never ask their children to do anything that would go against God's word. The context is not the Roman context of the world in which they live where a father had absolute authority and could treat his child however he wanted. The context is in the Lord, and that applies to children to love and respect their parents, and it applies to parents to love and care for their children. In a Christian home, parents are to be role models who help their children to grow in all areas, physically, mentally, spiritually, and socially, teaching them the things that they need to learn to become healthy young adults. And children, secondly, you are also to honor your parents. And to honor is more than just to obey. It is to respect and esteem them, to value them. In fact, respect is how we show love to those who are in authority over us. We show it by the way that we listen and respond to them. And, and you can see that in children. I mean, we have a, a family that lives next to us in our neighborhood, and I just love talking to their kids. You know, they have they have raised them well, and their kids are so respectful. And when we talk, we have good conversation. You can see that they're used to interacting with adults, and you can relate together. And I can ask them about how they're doing in their life or in school and what their plans are, and they'll share. And, and it's, it's great when you can have those kind of relationships. That's what we want for our kids, that they would grow up to be respectful toward their teachers or toward those who are in authority. They're eager to learn. Now, I know that to honor your parents is difficult if you've grown up in a home where there was abuse verbally or physically or where you were neglected. This command to honor continues throughout our life, even as adults were to honor our parents above us. And how we do that when you've grown up in a very difficult family is challenging. You have to work through issues of forgiveness. You have to come to a place where you've given that to God and then think about, okay, what can I do to show honor to my parents with boundaries too? 
And that's a, that's a whole nother kind of topic. We're not going to get into all of that today. But I recognize that as a real issue. What Paul says here, though, is that this commandment to honor our parents is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. That's God's intent. Now, does obedience lead to a longer and fuller life? Well, there are times when you can find exceptions where someone who is good died tragically at a young age. But generally, yes. I mean, if you honor your parents, in learning to honor and obey our parents, we learn to honor and obey God. And that is the path to blessing. I mean, it just, it just flows. That's why God wants us to have that kind of respect and obedience in the home because we are learning how to respect and obey our Heavenly Father. And God blesses that. Now, how does that work? Well, let me give you some examples. When our boys were growing up, uh, we had three sons, and they loved to climb, and one of our favorite places to go was over to Taylor's Falls. You know, it's not far away. We go there into the park. They got the potholes. They got the cliffs and the rocks and areas you can climb, and they just loved it. But when they're real young, you know, we're warning them. We're telling them, hey, you need to stay close to mom and dad. There are some things that are dangerous here. You could fall into and hurt yourself. And so we take them around, and where it's safe, we let them explore. As they got older... With each passing year, as they showed responsibility and obedience and they understood the risks involved, you know, we'd let them have more freedom. Until the time came when, you know, Dad and the kids are scrambling up some of those places and climbing, and eventually they got into top rope climbing. Matt would go on to be certified in that and take groups out climbing from a camping ministry, and he just absolutely loved it. He even got me up on the ropes over there climbing at Taylor's Falls and having fun doing that. And, and the, the point being that as parents, you know, kids, you need to know this. When you're young and your parents say, okay, stick with me, or they warned you of dangers that are out there, they're not doing that because they want to keep you from fun or because they don't trust you. They're doing that because they love you. And they know the dangers, and they want you to respect and understand that. And as you obey, as you respond to that and you show responsibility and you grow in wisdom in those areas, there's more freedom. Every passing year, more freedom until comes the day when you are launched on your own and your parents are there cheering you on. That's what God is talking about here that should happen in our home in all areas. And then uh, you can also <laughs> realize, I mean, you know, and I, I say this, um, that we face some challenges with our kids along the way too. I mean, you may know our sons and know that they've gone on and they're walking with the Lord and they're serving him and you think, boy, you guys had it easy, you know, or there were never any glitches along the way or anything. No, there were some things that we had to deal with along the way too. Like one of those was one night, and I think it was actually a Saturday night where Matt, he's probably about 13, 14, had a friend sleep over at our house. It was in the summer. And in the middle of the night, about 1, 2 a.m., Matt's waking me up. I think, Dad, Dad, he's kind of shaking me awake, and I'm waking up, and he goes, there's a police officer at the door that wants to see you. <laughs> 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 I'm like, 
okay, uh, what is this about? What's going on here? And so I go down and I find out that Matt and his friend had snuck out of the house in the middle of the night. We were in a development where there were new homes who were being built and different things. And they had just gone out, you know, curious and exploring in the dark, you know, and they were in one of those homes being built. And the policeman driving through the neighborhood noticed them, wanted to check it out brings them to the door, lets me know what has happened, and I'm like, okay, sir, I'll take care of it. It only happened once, you know. There, <laughs> there were consequences. But I mean, there are things that we all have to deal with with our kids, and that's just part of it. It's part of the training and instruction. I love what one parent said, though, about um, their son. Uh, he was going over to play at neighbor's house, you know, and the mom had said, okay, you know, be sure that when you go over it, you're respectful, you listen, you pay attention to what they say, and, you know, kind of gave this whole spiel as he's about to go out the door, and he responded and said, oh, mom, you don't have to worry. I never sin at anybody else's house. (laughs) It's just at home you get to see it, and, and Sometimes it feels like that when you go to a parent-teacher conference and you hear these glowing things they say about your kid and you're wondering, are we talking about the same kid who's maybe not as compliant at home as it sounds like he was there? And that's, that's the way it is. So kids, if you have parents who love the Lord and you have the privilege to grow up in that kind of family, you are extremely blessed. God has given you parents who love you, They want to help you develop the skills and abilities you have. They want to help you find your way and become a mature young adult who's going to be responsible and make your way in the world. And they care about you. Listen to them. Keep those communication lines open all the way through your years in school. I know there comes that time when, like for our boys, when they got into high school, they started sophomore, junior, senior years, where they're starting to get more independent, they're pushing the boundaries, they're pulling back from mom and dad, and the communication kind of went down. They wanted to spend more time with friends. Don't take it personally, parents, it just happens, because by the time they were going to leave for college, they were ready. They were ready to go. And there are things that we'd still talk about and life skills that we were working on with them and all of that. But that's just part of that development. But I'd say keep those communication lines open. And once you get through that, man, it is such a joy when they are talking with you or calling or you see what's going on in their life and how God is using them. Honor them. Honor them when you are young and God will bless you and every year you will experience more freedom. And kids, tell your parents what you appreciate about them. Say thank you. And I know you may not recognize all of it now, what they are doing for you, but in the years ahead you will. And say thank you to your parents for what they have done for you. Well, let's turn the page, and we're going to talk about God's instruction for parents. And just like there were two things that Paul wrote down that he wanted children to do to obey their parents and honor them, there are two things that he's going to address to those of us that are parents. Now, in the text, it's directed to fathers because fathers were to be the head of the household. But it applies to both moms and dads, what he is going to say here. And he begins by saying, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Some will translate that as do not provoke them to anger. That's really what it means. Don't frustrate them. Don't exasperate them. Don't provoke them to anger where they become resentful or discouraged or any of those things. 
Well, how does that happen? How is it that we can, as a father or mother, exasperate our children? We can do it by, having, uh, by being unreasonable in what we ask. Maybe we are asking things that are inappropriate for their age. You can't treat a toddler like you do somebody who's 14 or who's older and has more understanding. You have to uh, discipline, you have to care for in ways that are age appropriate. You can do it by having unrealistic expectations, by setting the bar so high for our kids that it's unattainable. Or you keep moving that bar. And there's a balance there between challenging our kids to grow and helping them to understand that they can do more than they maybe think at their age, and so you're stretching them, but not making it so unrealistic that they'll never get there. Because if you do that, they'll just give up and lose heart. You can exasperate a child by being overly critical or harsh, by always being on their case, by always nagging, never praising, by being verbally or physically abusive, and that's a whole other issue that God does not want to happen in the home. And we've seen in the news with Adrian Peterson, the football player, the reaction to his using a switch on his son. If you punish too severely, you know, if your kid messes up and you say, that's it, you're grounded forever, uh, that's, that's a little extreme, you know, forever's a long time, and you may need to scale that back. And so you need to discipline in a way that's fair. And when we make a mistake as parents, the best thing that we can do is go to our kids and say, hey, you know what? I overreacted. I was wrong or I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And to work that through because, you know, we're not going to be perfect as parents. There's no manual that says exactly how to do this in every situation. And so there are going to be times when we make mistakes, but if we are humble and honest and ask forgiveness, our kids are going to pick up on that too, and they'll respect that. If you don't do that, if we exasperate our children, the result is that a child will lose heart and give up. Either that or they will get angry and they will rebel and they will fight against, and it really depends upon their nature. You know, if they're very strong-willed or very compliant, they're going to respond in different ways, but you're going to lose the child. You're going to lose the relationship. You know, I think about when Matt was um, about fourth, fifth grade. He was playing basketball, and it was in those years where they started to have the traveling teams, and you're playing on weekends and all these kind of things. And so he's at a practice, and I wanted to go to the practice to see how things were being run and what was happening. And at this particular practice, I noticed there was a coach, and then there were about four dads on the basketball court, all at the same time, you know, yelling out instructions to the kids. And it was kind of chaotic. And at the end of that, you know, I've taken Matt and a friend of his home after practice, and it's quiet. And I could tell they were discouraged. And I said, hey, guys, how are you feeling? Tell me about tonight. How'd you feel? And they said, it wasn't fun. They felt like everybody was yelling at them to do this or that, and it was just overload, and they shut down. I said, well, was there anybody that you really listened to or that you thought was helping? And they said there was one exception. It was the coach. The coach they had that year was an encourager, and it would have been far better if one person was given the instruction and encouragement rather than a whole bunch of people trying to talk over one another at the same time. I took that to heart in my parenting. And in my heart, I said, you know, I want to be an encourager to my children, not a critic. 
I want to be a teacher and a cheerleader for them, not a judge. And the reason that that is so important for us as fathers is because, fathers, the image that your children have of you and what they remember is what they're going to think about God as their Heavenly Father. And if you as a father are harsh and critical and they feel like they can never please you and you're always moving the bar and, and you know, you're just looking out for them to screw up, they're going to have that kind of image of God as a father. But if you as, a, as you as an earthly father to them are loving and you are fair in your discipline and you are encouraging and you believe in them and you help them to take steps of faith or develop their gifts and skills and you're cheering them on, they're going to see God like that too as a father who loves them and who wants their very best. You know, many years ago, in fact, I think it was 1972 when this came out, Dorothy Nolte wrote these words and they are still true. She said, if children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn to fight. If children live with ridicule, they learn to feel shy. If children live with shame, they learn to feel guilty. If children live with encouragement, they learn confidence. If they live with tolerance, they learn patience. If children live with praise, they learn appreciation. If children live with acceptance, they learn to love. If children live with approval, they learn to like themselves. If they live with fairness, they learn justice. If children live with kindness and consideration, they learn respect. If children live with security, they learn to have faith in themselves and in those about them. And if children live with friendliness, they learn the world is a nice place in which to live. I mean, that is so true that children will pick up on what they see in their parents. Well, the second word for parents here is that we are to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. To bring them up means to nurture them. It's to build them up with gentleness and tenderness in all areas, pointing them to the Lord. Training has to do with discipline. Sometimes punishment is involved in discipline. There are rules, there are boundaries that need to be respected. But more often, it is about helping them to build discipline into their lives. It's why as we as parents are helping them to develop good work habits about work and study, setting boundaries, taking responsibility, keeping your word, following through on what you say you're going to do, learning to eat well, sleep well, take care of yourself physically, certain life skills that you're learning to prepare them when they leave home. All of those things have to do with training. You are helping your children to become responsible young adults. And so it's important that we think through that. What are those things that we want them to know before they leave home? Instruction involves teaching both formally and informally. There are times when you will sit down and you'll have a devotional time together and you'll talk about it. And there are other times when it's going to be you're out in the yard or you're camping or you're on a trip and, you, you know, God brings something to mind and you just share it and you go on. And it's not, it's not long. It's dropping little nuggets here and there or things that you're observing or God's teaching you and they pick up on that. And all of those began to shape the child that God has given to us. You know, from personal experience, I can tell you that the four things that Gail and I tried to do consistently as parents were these. We prayed for our kids. And we always considered prayer our best parenting tool. 
And every day we would pray for them and we prayed scripture for them that was appropriate as they went through their development in different ages. Model. Be genuine in your faith. Let them see Jesus in you. Live what you want them to learn. And be the kind of person that you would like them to become, if you will. Teach, formally and informally, like we were talking about there. Have times when you get into the Word together, or you talk about life together and relationships or things that they're dealing with, and other times where it's just, it's informally. And then bless, be an encourager, love them. Encourage them to take steps of faith and to find opportunities where they can have that kind of relationship with their Heavenly Father. We wanted them to have that kind of personal first chair experience, if you will, in their relationship with God. But all of that takes time and patience. It doesn't happen quickly. When I think about patience involved in that, I think about uh, Tony Dungy, the former football player and coach, told about his father's Christian character and how much he learned from him and said his dad was a quiet man, a scientist by heart and training, but he loved the outdoors and he would talk about God when they went outside and loved to go fishing with his kids. And he said there's one day in particular that stands out. A summer day, 1965, grew up in Michigan. We had gone to the lake around Jackson. We were fishing. And on that day, my dad is teaching my brother and me how to cast. Younger brother Lyndon is five, Tony's nine at the time. And we're working on it, you know, and trying to get the technique down and see who can cast the farthest and all of those kind of things. And in the middle of that, there was this moment when Dad said to Lyndon, hey, Lyndon, don't move for a minute, please. And Tony looked back and he saw his dad move his hand toward his face, calm and deliberate, and he continued to speak. And he said, now, Lyndon, always make sure that you know where your pole is when you're starting to cast. And Tony said, I saw my dad starting to pull a hook out of his ear. And he said, always make certain that you know where everyone else is around you. Tony said, I learned something about proper casting that day, but I also learned something about patience. Years later, when I got hooked myself in my hand, I realized how much it hurts. And remembering my dad's patience that day when Lyndon's hook was caught in his ear, I finally understood the importance of staying calm and communicating clearly. It takes patience. There are going to be trials. There are going to be times when kids mess up or you'll mess up. But keep going. Forgive, love, communicate. You know, I remember still when uh, our church was starting out, and we had about four years. We were meeting at the high school over here before we had this building. And I remember a Sunday morning walking up to church with our little guys, who were probably six and four, and Carl and Lorraine Hasselquist were walking up with us, dear, wonderful, godly people. And they looked over at us, and I think it was Lorraine who said this to us, and we had had this conversation, and she said, you know, it takes a long time to raise a man. It takes a long time to raise a man. From the time when they're young, it doesn't happen overnight. It's step by step. And the same thing is true of a woman. If our goal is to raise godly young men and godly young women, it doesn't happen overnight. But oh, the joy when they come to that point when as young adults, they love God, they want to serve Him, and when they are married and you start to see them raising their own children as we are in that stage in our life, it is the best. 
It just doesn't get any better than that. To see your faith being passed on through your children to your grandchildren and future generations. So what do you want to teach your kids? And what do you want them to know and remember about you? Those would be a couple good questions to talk about as you leave today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is so clear. It speaks to both kids and adults, parents, and it shows us how we are to honor you in our home. And I pray that you would help us to do that. Help our children and our church to love and honor and obey their parents. And help the parents in our church to be good role models and to nurture their kids and to point them to Jesus and to live out in their life what that means. And Lord, help us to deal with the challenges that come all along the way to look to you for wisdom each and every day. We ask that for your honor and glory. Amen. And now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loves us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen.